Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host this week, Rich Fair. I'm joined just by one person, but uh, the key player in this uh, the grand scheme of things, Tyrone Marshall. It's been a long week, hasn't it? And particularly for United after Derby defeat to Man City last weekend. You can imagine that Ralph Rannick just wanted his players to probably be playing again on Tuesday or Wednesday to get it out of their system. But another big game on the horizon. Tottenham this weekend, but most importantly, how are you doing? How have you found this week? Uh, long, again, to be honest. It feels like every week covering Man United is is long at the moment. It's just been such a, a draining year. I feel like I've been doing terrible games since the start of the year, really. I mean, the two I've missed when I was on holiday <laughs> that you did were the most interesting and exciting games of the season, <laughs> probably. And yeah, I came back to United, nil Watford, nil, and it's not got much better since then, has it? No, exactly. And like you said, particularly the fact that this week's been so long because it's been all season that we were complaining that United have two games a week and it's been relentless and that the players have had a lot to, to deal with, really. But then, like we said, when you're having a disappointing result of the weekend, you, you want another game to go at. And United have the international break on the horizon. Obviously, that Liverpool game has been uh, rearranged. That'll be postponed because of their um, involvement in the FA Cup. But Tottenham this weekend and Atletico on Tuesday as well. I mean, this really is going to be a pivotal four days in United's campaign. And I know we can say season-defining all the time, Ty, but I mean, by next Wednesday, United's season could be over. They could be out of the Champions League and, you know, well out of the race of top four, or they could be in the Champions League quarterfinals and, and in the top four. Yeah, I mean, it's, it will be season-defining if they don't beat Tottenham and, and lose to Atletico. If on Wednesday we're talking that it has been a season-defining week, then it will have been a terrible week and it will be a very <laughs> downbeat podcast. Um, you know, if they if they beat Tottenham and beat Atletico, then, you know, it's not season-defining because it's by no means job done. Um, so it's I guess it's only, it's only a season-defining week if things go badly. But this is Man United in 2021-22 and there's every chance things will go badly and it will be a season-defining week. I think, you know, I said on Monday's podcast that I thought I couldn't see them getting top four now. I think it's hard to see them getting top four. If they lose tomorrow on Saturday, I think it's certainly over. Um, if they draw, I think it's still very difficult. They've just got to, they've got to win. In a way, if they win, it takes a little bit of the pressure off the Atletico Madrid game. Um, mm. You know, winning the Champions League is would be fantastic, but it's also hugely unrealistic given the level of their performances against Man City and Atletico Madrid. It, it is obviously a route back into the to, um, Champions League next season. It's cup competition, you never really know, and it'd be nice to go further. But I think it will be pressure off to a certain degree if they beat Tottenham. But yeah, you're right, there's every chance it will be a season-defining week, and that's only going to happen if, if things go badly. I know this has got to be about Tottenham mainly, but I'm just going to ask you a quick question there on Atletico, in, in a way. Where, what do you think? Because with a Champions League campaign, a lot of it depends on who you draw and there's so much mitigation circumstance because, like you said, it's cup competition. So much can happen depending on how far you can get. Obviously, you've got to be consistent and very good in big games to be able to win a competition. But do you think that going out in the last 16 would be a disaster for United from what they were looking at at the start of the season? Because do you think that United's benchmark has always been sort of quarterfinals in the Champions League this season? Or Yeah. Because they've not really played... I know Atletico are the reigning champions of La Liga and they did look much better in, in that first leg than I think mm. I gave them credit for. But they're probably not. Are they an elite team? That's difficult to say. They're definitely a team who's in transition themselves and needs rejuvenation. 
But have you not actually played anyone that good this season and had a half decent performance? Because even that win against Tottenham back in October, they, they, yeah, that was the yeah. last game of Nuno, wasn't it? So I'm just trying to maybe gauge the question as have you not have you played anyone good this season and had a good performance? I mean, you have to say no at the moment. The two City games, you know, that I. I think it's only the second time City have done the double over United since you know since their Abu Dhabi takeover. It's easily the most demoralising 180 minutes United have played in a season against City. Even that, I think the other time they did the double when they won in that six-one season. But that six-one was a bit of a a fluke in a way, I guess, with the three late goals and the red card. And United did win in the FA Cup at the Etihad that year, so it wasn't mm. a disaster. This is easily the most one-sided 180 minutes of derby football there has been. In, in those years and in a long, long time, I would say. Obviously, they were hopeless against Liverpool. They drew at Chelsea, but were hugely fortunate. They were completely outplayed in that game. Fortunate against Atletico. You're probably right. The best game they've played, winning at Tottenham and beating Arsenal, I guess. And I, I thought Atletico, mm. to a degree, they've not been convincing in Spain this year. They've conceded a hell of a lot of goals. Um, but again, United were, you know, were, were completely outclassed. They were fortunate to get a draw. So at the start of the season, you're like you're right. It's a cup competition. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. And join the champion, drawing the champion for Spain in the last sixteen is is tricky. There were certainly easier routes into the, the last sixteen for United, but at the start of the season, we like United to beat them. I think you know I wrote at the start of the season that winning the Champions League might have been easier than winning the Premier League because mm. I think an English team will win the Champions League. Still, I think the, the yeah. two obvious English teams are the best teams in the competition. Um, and at the start of the season, you put Chelsea and United not far off them as well, but not panned out that way from United. Um, you know, there's always the chance that something's going to click under Ranić, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it now, and it's certainly one where, with a bit of luck of the draw, they could have gone far. They could have reached the semi-finals very easily, even if they get through now. You'd still, you know, virtually whoever they play, you'd say they'd be the outsiders in the quarterfinals. Yeah, exactly, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, like we said, we should be back on Monday you know, sort of rotor permitting to do a, a pre-podcast for that Atletico game. And, you know, again, there's that other sort of interesting strand of what could have been the fact that, you know, United were drawn against PSG originally as well. So one of those teams would have to go out. They might both end up going out of this round anyway. But it does sort of make it interesting in terms of, I know this is probably, like I said, this is probably a question maybe for the next podcast as well. But if United were to, like we say, have this season to final week where they lose to Tottenham this weekend, they lose to Atletico next week, there's not much to play for. You play for fifth or sixth. You arguably even want to maybe do what Arsenal did and drop out of Europe completely because first night football can really ruin your momentum next season as well. But if United had, you know, their season over, we say mid-March, gives them a lot more time to, to plan for the summer. You could even say they could get a manager in with the last month or two of the season as well and, and maybe get to work on, on what's going to be happening. And, you know, it's very timely, isn't it, Ty? Because PSG out of the Champions League now, Pochettino is, is going to be surely available because he's just not delivered the expectation there. Former PSG manager Thomas Tuchel is, you know, in the circumstance at Chelsea is, you know, it's not what he signed up for when he signed his new contract. As Ralph Rannick said at his press conference on Friday himself, though, that no one could have foreseen that. And I know that when he was asked just about English football's sort of involvement with the Ukraine conflict, he was saying that, you know, it isn't just Chelsea who have sort of Russian involvement at a top level. He mentioned Arsenal, he mentioned Everton as well. And, you know, he did say it's very careful to, to point the blame on anyone at this stage. And, you know, he just wants it to be a peaceful uh, 
resolution really and just for humanity's sake. But it is interesting, Ty, that this week, Pochettino now at the Champions League, Thomas Tuchel's situation at Chelsea, which, you know, that's just people sort of putting two and two together and still somehow getting five. You know, they're, they're still trying to make something that isn't quite necessarily there. He's in a job and he's got a long-term contract. So, you know, there's a lot of mitigation of that. But the managerial situation at United does seem like it could slowly start to develop over the next few weeks, particularly because from next Tuesday, United don't have a game either. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, a very glass half full approach to, to things, Rich. <laughs> I like that. The, the benefit of losing to Tottenham and Atletico Madrid will be giving them more time to plan for next season. Yeah, yeah don't right. let the Twitter fans see that because of what yeah, I'm yeah. glazed the mouthpiece it's, it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Another one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. And that the run after Tuesday of two and a half weeks without a game is an obvious section of the calendar where they can be and should be doing work to try and appoint a next manager. And, you know, they've always said they want this ideally lined up before the end of the season. It's going to be a huge summer in terms of player turnover. And they can't be reaching July, still not knowing who their manager is going to be. And that almost counts against Tuchel. This, this, you know, this, this huge uncertainty around his position and, and what he'd want to do. I certainly wouldn't blame United for having a word with his agent and his advisors now just to find out, you know, what, what his feelings are. But it's unlikely he's going to want to make a decision, I guess, before the end of the season. He'd certainly be the best candidate for the job out of Pochettino with Ten Hag, I think. Yeah, well, I was um, going to ask you that. Would he be your... Because to me, like you said there, he's the only person I've seen that can credibly rival yeah. Guardiola and Klopp. And previously, you've said yourself that even if United got their top target this summer, you've still got to wait for those two to leave, basically, yeah. before you've got a proper chance of winning it. But do you think Tuchel would be able to make United directly sort of competitors for the title? I think he could improve them very quickly, like he did with Chelsea. And I think he's, you know, he's probably, I, th- I think undoubtedly he's he's ahead of Pochettino and Ten Hag in terms of what you would expect from the job. Yeah. Partly because of what he's done at Chelsea. We've seen him have that success in the Premier League and, and continued success, really. Um, the second half of the season has been more difficult for Chelsea, but they're still fairly comfortable in third. They're going to get through to the Champions League quarterfinals. They're in the FA Cup. They reached the League Cup semi-finals, uh, the League Cup final. So they have had a successful season. They haven't had a very successful spell last season under him. So yeah, undoubtedly for me, he would be a, 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 the leading candidate. And I think, you know, it would be foolish if United not to be having a conversation and just saying, you know, how do you see your future panning out? Because that job is not the one that he took now. It's not the one that was yeah. advertised. And whatever happens, even if that club is sold within three months, four months, sold this summer, the glory years are over. You know, the years of the spending under Abramovich are over. They're going to lose key players this summer. It's it's hard to envision a scenario where they may, you know, where they are capable of challenging City and Liverpool over the next few seasons. You just can't see it happening. United are obviously way off challenging City and Liverpool, but have got the funds to make it happen. They just need a manager to make it happen. That's the one thing they've been lacking. They've spent money to be in a position to be challenging them, but they've got their managerial appointments wrong. And they've mm. got those appointments wrong because four times they've appointed a permanent manager and maybe with the exception of Mourinho, they've never appointed the best person for the job. And even Mourinho, I think there's an argument to say his best days were behind him. Tuchel, you'd be getting a leading manager now. So I think it's definitely worth having the conversation and just saying, you know, we're, we want you. How do you see things developing in the summer? Because as much as he's trying to present a unity of togetherness at the moment at Chelsea, and I think he's, he's doing really well in, in public. I think the way he's answering questions and, being put in a position he should never have been put in is, you know, he's coming out of it with immense credit. But 
the job has changed for him. It's not the job that was advertised. Come next season, I don't see it being a club that can challenge for titles. So long term, is it somewhere he wants to stay if if that's going to be the situation? Possibly not. So I think it'd be foolish of United not to at least investigate it over the next two and a half weeks. But like we've said, they want, you know, they want a firm commitment from him that, yeah, wait till the end of the season, but I'm open to to making this happen. No, I'm I'm ready to walk away if it's still a shambles come the end of May. And I think if United got that commitment, then maybe they'd be interested. But like you say, Pochettino's situation now in Paris is very delicate. Ajax are in the Champions League on Tuesday night. You back them to get through against Benfica, but that probably only increases Ten Hag's standing. So it does feel like a big, you know, that, that mm. two and a half week gap that United have after Tuesday without a game, I think has always been circled as a week where things might happen. And, uh, you know, John Murtis said last week that it was a thorough process was underway and does feel like this is an obvious time for it to speed up. Yeah, like you said, um, maybe one for United fans to kind of be a bit excited for. Not sure as as journalists would be that excited, particularly if United go into it on the back of some bad results. Yeah. Or that's going to be a very long two and a half weeks to fill. Here's another question I want to kind of ask, Ty. I mean, like you said, that I agree on on Tuchel. I think he's just a, 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 he is that elite manager. I know that people love to use sort of elite and generational talents and all these sort of buzzwords these days. But you know, he's, he's won the Champions League. He is different to other managers who are out there. He's got the track record. He's doing it right now. I saw as well when I did my research on him yesterday. He's, he's got clean sheets in fifty. 50- 56% of his Chelsea games so far as well. And you know, but for United, who have already got so much sort of investment in their defence, he's someone, like you said, who can immediately make this group of players better as well. I know he spent a lot of money you know, to go with that, but as they've sort of been supplementary players to finish his squad off. The bulk of it is what he already had to, you know, he's worked with. And to me, that that's a similar project at United that he's got now. But on the topic of Pochettino, I've seen a lot of divide this week. And I do think that the social media fans, particularly are on Team Ten Hag at the moment, I think that he's just got that sort of hipster vote. And I know yeah. people will say, have you ever watched Ajax play? I don't need to watch Ajax play every week to know that someone's still doing quite good football. It's like, I don't watch Liverpool every week, but I know Mo Salah's a good player. I, mean, I don't have to watch these people and you know, admittedly, Ajax are going to be a team that I, I don't, I can't tell you that maybe their tactical style so much and exactly what they do in the full ninety minutes. But he does seem to have the the qualities that a lot of fans like. Pochettino, we all know what he did in the Premier League. He he did so well with Tottenham, but he hasn't done well at, at, at PSG. I don't think you can spin it in any way as a positive, particularly the squad he's got. And to me, there's a lot of similarities between that PSG team and, and the United team. Okay, you might be saying who's there, Mbappe, but I think that the egos and the fact they've got lots of players who are capable of doing a lot more is quite similar. Pochettino hasn't been able to deliver the goods of PSG. Does that concern you in regards to him being a candidate for the United job? Do you think that this exit as well this week, where they've been winning the first leg, they were winning at half-time against Real Madrid, and I know people say, well, PSG have just got their bottlers to their DNA. But do you think that that comes down to the manager ultimately? Certainly a little bit of it, yeah. Um, I think there is clearly a case at PSG that they've got a lot of baggage in this competition. But you're right that you know, Pochettino losing to Real Madrid, and let's not forget it's Real Madrid. And yeah. for 20 minutes, they were absolutely brilliant. And Benzema and Modric were brilliant is getting a lot of criticism. I mean, Ajax lost to go-ahead Eagles, I think, in the league last week, and no one said a word about it. So, you know, all managers have bad results. And for 145 minutes of that tie, PSG were completely dominant and completely outplayed Real Madrid. They fell apart at the end, but they fall apart all the time. They, you know, they fell apart under Tuchel against United. Um, And look at at Tuchel now. So, 
there's you know there's a degree where certainly it's you know the the miles clear in the league, but they're not they don't seem to be particularly convincing in the league. The PSG fans don't seem convinced by his style of play, but it's always felt an uneasy marriage because of and like I say, there is elements of that that should maybe concern United at, at Tottenham and at Southampton. He had a young, impressionable squad who were willing to follow orders to to get what they required to to get, but a front three of Messi and Bappe and Neymar never looked like a Pochettino front three, purely on energy levels and, and pressing. And he's obviously had to compromise. That's obviously an issue for United with Ronaldo leading the line. I think it's an issue Ranić struggled with all season. But, you know, as I said all along, I think I don't think there's much between Pochettino and Ten Hag because I think there's an element of a gamble in both of them. Yeah. Ten Hag's never managed a club like United before. Um, and, you know, the, the club is so... I mean, it's not necessarily a mess at the moment, but it's so, you know, it's fallen so far and everything around it just feels so negative and in such a negative downward spiral that it can consume you. And the worry is that someone like Ten Hag will walk into that dressing room with the best of intentions and after two weeks will just think, this place is impossible. And you saw it with Ranjik. You know, I think Ranjik walked in and thought, I can, you know, I can make an impact here. I can sort this. And now you see him in press conferences and it just looks, you know, that enthusiasm just looks beaten out of him. And it, there's an element, I think, that United can do that to you. And that when things go wrong, the scrutiny on the club is is so big that it just sort of sucks you into this negative downward spiral. And that would definitely be a concern with Ten Hag, as good as his Ajax teams play. Pochettino, I guess, has had some experience of that, but maybe not a positive experience. So I really, you know, I, I don't have a strong preference, really, between Pochettino and Ten Hag, because I just think there's very little between them. I think both of have produced teams that play great football and have had great success with Tottenham and Ajax. Both, I think, that there are undoubtedly elements of a gamble to it that I don't think Tuchel would bring. I don't think Luis Enrique would bring as much. But if it's between Potter and Tino and Ten Hag, you know, I I struggle to really get as worked up as, you know, a lot of social media fans <laughs> over their preference for one or the other because I really don't think there's a great deal between it. I think both have got pretty similar positives. Both have got negatives and an element of risk. So, but I wouldn't be holding PSG getting knocked out solely on on Pochettino. I mean, they lost the plot. Maybe you want to manage to try and influence that, but we've seen it happen before with with PSG. And I think there's always been an element of him going there that just feels like it doesn't fit. And for, you know, he, he should have overturned the gap to Lille from January last season when he went in and didn't. And I think he's been on the back foot ever since. But it does kind of feel that when he leaves there. You know, he'll get a, he'll almost get a free pass from it, and it'll just be like, right, that didn't, you know, that never felt like a natural fit for you. But it does put the pressure on him to make sure his next job's a success. Yeah, exactly. And you need, you know, what a manager is, he still wants to prove themselves as well. You can't have any complacency at all. Like you said, time, I, I think it's very similar. And I just feel that Pochettino does just have this weird sort of reputation online where he's almost being sort of derided by some United fans and just written off because, like you said, I don't really know why. I think just Ten Hag's just the more popular choice for some reason. I, I, I don't get it because Pochettino was so popular when he when he was in the Premier League. But who knows what he can say. But like you said, I think either way it's going to be a gamble. It's a massive decision for United, but also maybe not the only change which is needed at the club for them to actually address the issues. Brings on to this weekend then. Tottenham at home for United. Even when United were awful under Solskjaer, they managed to beat Tottenham 3-0. This is a team who were probably just as inconsistent as United, but they've had some 
big wins in, in the recent last last few weeks. They had beat Everton, they beat but uh, Leeds, they lost to Burnley. You know, it just it seems like they are very evenly matched to United, just that instead of winning one nil occasionally, they do get big wins and you know they've got some exceptional attacking players. Both teams kind of evenly matched as well. I think United probably have the better squad depth, but Tottenham's starting eleven is just as good, really, and just as close in terms of talent and performing at the moment. How do you see this one going then, Ty? Because it really does feel like a massive game. Ranick himself said it's a must-win match. Do you think United will get that win, though? I find it really hard to call, to be honest. Like you said, I just don't think there's a lot in it at all. In a way, it feels really fitting for United's season and the, if it can go wrong it will go wrong sort of mentality that things affected us all this season <laughs> that Conte's been at Tottenham for several months now has been stumbling around in the dark for any hint of a revival or anything and it's come just as they're about to face United and that now they can win and finally go above United and they can you know they can win at Old Trafford to do it when yeah. the narrative is obviously going to be why didn't United appoint Conte when the narrative all week has been won United appoint Conte <laughs> because of Micah Richards and, and the post-match fallout on on Sunday. You know, that that narrative just is feels like the kind of thing that happens to United this season. And, you know, I mean, I agree with Gary Neville on this. I don't think Conte was ever the right man for United. And there are, you know, there are right managers for clubs. And for me, Conte was never the right appointment in October. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that it feels almost fitting of what a disaster the season has been, that he will win at Old Trafford on Saturday and Tottenham will go above them. And everyone will say, United are a joke. Why didn't they appoint Conte? It just it yeah. feels like the kind of thing that happens to this club at the moment. Um, so, you know, on that reason alone, it almost makes me think Tottenham will win. But I don't think there's a lot in it. It's obviously a concern that Tottenham are fit form. But I think, you know, Leeds and Everton made it really easy for them. Both just played, obviously, Leeds play open every week. Everton's approach was baffling on Monday night and how open they were in that game. Between those two, Tottenham played Middlesbrough and got knocked out of the FA Cup. Um, you know, some of the best can compare notes on losing to Middlesbrough. <laughs> um, you know that that shows that they've they've hit form and scored nine goals in two Premier League games. But the, the hardest game in those three games has probably been against Middlesbrough, and they lost. So they're not indestructible, but obviously they're going to be very confident. And Kane looks to be firing at the moment. But it is just looks a really hard game to call. But it, it definitely feels like United need a performance because, as we've been saying, they've you know they've not played well against the big team all season. The the two. You know, the biggest games they've had under Ranić, they've performed really, really poorly. And you'd like to think they'd be stung from the criticism last week and especially the deserved criticism their second half got because that second half was an embarrassment at City. Um, and if anything, I mean, if they can't get a reaction from that, then what can they get a reaction from? So that has to be the big the big hope for them to get this reaction and that they're you know, inspired to put in a performance. But it does feel like there's a lot of pressure going on them going into this game and that it, it's maybe more of a, you know, the pressure is certainly more on United than Tottenham, I think. And United, Ranić's right, really. It, it probably is a must win and how they react to that pressure is going to be interesting. And like you said, Ty, United are in such a sort of lose-lose situation these days that even if they win 4-0 on Saturday night, you'll get people saying, well, lads, it's Tottenham. you meant to beat them at home. You know, there'll be no credit for it anyway. In terms of team selection, interesting one then because Rafa Rannick's given in you know, his early team news at the press conference. He says that, well, he says Cavani and Ronaldo will be back on Saturday night, Saturday evening. He said that last weekend, didn't he? In terms of Cavani, we, he obviously didn't make it to the Etihad in, in, in the end. But as well, Rafa Varane will be back. 
Luke Shaw missing. Scott McTominay is a doubt, but it does sound like he's not going to be risked. They've got to try saving for Atletico game, which is massive next week instead. In terms of team news and tie, I mean, like you said, particularly after after the second half of last week, you you kind of do have a clean slate to say I can drop. You can drop anyone because mm. it was such a pitiful performance. But you can't just kind of make change for change's sake because, like you said, I know again that. Harry Maguire is about as popular as Mauricio Pochettino, isn't he, on social media at the moment? But it was Victor Lindelof who was probably worse against City. Mm-hmm. The full-back debate is a difficult one. Obviously, your hands are tied a bit at left-back because Shaw's not there. So Varane comes back in. Is it Lindelof? Is it Maguire to partner him? I'd personally go Maguire because, like I said, I thought Lindelof was the one who was at fault mostly last weekend. But then about McTominay, United's midfield has at times been very open and very easy to play through. Again, it was even, I think, was it in that Middlesbrough game in the second half, you know, that you know, when United hadn't taken the chances, even Middlesbrough were just having a field day getting through there and there was no real backbone or, or issues. And Southampton found it easy to play through them as well. Does Matic come in for you? I mean, he can probably play in one of the two matches. Uh, I mean, it's really difficult, isn't it, how you approach this? Ronaldo as well, you could maybe say, you could say that he could stop both games, but. Does he start both games? You might have to pick one of them to, to start and one of them off the bench. So for you, in terms of your team selection, Ty, what would you go for? I would bring Maguire. I would have Maguire and Varane, um, like you. Bring Dallow back in. I don't see the benefit of playing Wambasaka. I think Matone's not playing. Matic has to. Um, and then I, I think Ronaldo has to try and start both games, really. I think Cavani's mm. thoroughly undeserving of a start. Um, what about Rashford as a number nine? Right. Yeah. I, mean, I feel I, like there's almost a bit of sympathy now that you know the stories come out that he's he maybe looking to leave. And when you put it down in black and white, United had no strikers and still didn't play a striker. Yeah. Ranick said in his press conference that you know he needs to play as well as he trains. It's easier said than done. But do you think that it's 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 from Ranick's point of view? If you come out and say Rashford needs to play as well as he does when he trains, but then you demoralise him by not playing him when you've not got a striker, his confidence is only going to get worse, surely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I thought he should have started um, on on Sunday. I would certainly have started him through the middle then. I thought it was probably a game to suit him as well with space to run into. Um, after this week, will he start? I'm not sure. Um, I'd certainly, if, if if it's decided Ronaldo isn't fit enough or can only play once and that's Atletico, I would start Rashford ahead of Cavani um, for mm. certain. But does, you know, Rashford's kind of in that boat where it feels like he almost needs a, a fresh start now. Or just a new manager in the faith of a new manager. Um, you know, he, he looks like a lot of them do, like worn down by the the circus almost that United have been in in recent seasons. I thought that shoulder injury would actually do him some good and he came back and played really well, but it's not taken long to hit form again. And, you know, fundamentally, he has to take most of the responsibility for, for those performances. And in terms of the Tottenham game, I think if Ranić's ever going to play a back three, this might be it. I think mm. there's potentially an argument to match Tottenham up. They're, they, you know, they've looked to have really settled into that Conte system now. And the wing-backs have been a huge threat. Doherty's been back to his Wolves best over these last mm. two games. Um, you know, it was Sessegnon who was doing really well, but Regulion's a good wing-back as well. Scored his first touch when he came on on Monday night. So I think you know, the, it feels like those wing-backs are a huge threat. And that when you, when you put those wing-backs into a system where you've got Son and Kulisevsky cutting inside and supporting Kane as well, going to be a lot of pressure on a very out of form back four for United. So if I think if Ranić's ever going to play a back three, and he showed a little indication that he wants to, um, this this might be it because it maybe feels like you almost need that extra support to to kind of 
you know, help help that defence because we've seen Tottenham, we've seen Kane and Son give Maguire problems before, and you could you could easily envisage, envisage it happening again. Um, so I think that's maybe something to look out for whether he does go down that route. Um, but yeah, if not for me, it'd be Maguire back in. I think Match has got to start, and I would I would go with Ronaldo as well if he's if he's fit. I was going to ask maybe as my one little last question on that then. Like you said, I, I hadn't really thought about the back three, but particularly if you've got Tellers and Dallow, that, I mean, mm. that that does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? But then in terms of the strike force, you can either sort of do it with your... your what You can do a two-pronged attack if you want. And you know, obviously when United did play... Was it Tottenham last? last it was Cavani and Ronaldo up front. It and, was. Yeah, it, did, it worked really well. You know, I mean, like you said... I don't think Cavani, I think starting Cavani sets out a bad example, but I think when he's on the pitch, he gives everything and he's, you know, there's a reason why fans do still love him, you know, because he has that work rate. Of course, we didn't see it at Burnley when he got that game and, you know, a lot was said about it, but Ronaldo and Cavani, could you see that as a, a strike force as well for the game? Or do you think that it's maybe clutching at straws? Um, possibly. I think it's unlikely, but certainly, you know, almost on, on the fact of what they did, you know, that was, that was a very different Tottenham team that, yeah. that, those two terrorised back in October, was it? But the players are still going to have scars from it, um, you know, mental scars from it at least. So potentially, I mean, I guess the argument against it is that the last time they started together, I think it was the Wolves game, was it? Um, yeah, I think so. And, you know, they, they were really poor together, didn't really combine it at all. So I guess that's the argument against that. And it feels at the moment like you'd want Sancho in the team somehow, whether that's as Ronaldo's strike partner or you just play a 3-4-3. Um, and get get Sancho in the team and and someone sort of playing narrow on the right, um, you know maybe you yeah. go down that route. So I think I was going to ask you as well. <laughs> I keep on saying, "Got to ask you, got to ask you, got to ask you." We'll get through the whole team at this rate. But if we're going for if you're going for the usual sort of setup with a you know, four three three four two three one, whatever you want to call it, who are you having on your wings? Because like I said Sancho has to start. There's this issue where he looks far better on the left, but there's still not a right winger. And mm. if you start Pogba on the left. You know that's what I've gone for in my team selection, but you're not going to get much much movement in the match. You know it's going to have to be quite stationary in terms of attack. Pogba's not going to be drifting over to the right. For you, who starts in the wing? Because again, Rashford has looked okay on the left this season. He looked out of sorts on the right as he always sort of has in his United career. Elanga was has been great. He's still not had the full ninety minutes. You have that Atletico game, but last weekend he was quite poor. Maybe the occasion got to him a little bit. He is very young. Who are you starting out wide? You know, like you said, Sanchez's first name on the team sheet at the moment, but who who's on the other flank? Like you, in my selector, I've gone with Pogba on the left and Sancho on the right, but I think it's difficult. And I think if you play the back four, it becomes an onus on those wingers um, to track back and to track the fullbacks. And if the fullbacks mm-hmm. are flying forward as much as they did against Leeds and Everton, then you need players who are going to are going to follow them. Um, you know, I guess Pogba has got some defensive discipline, even played a defensive midfielder, but when he plays on the left, he doesn't always stick to the left. Is that going to give Doherty a lot of free reign going forward? Um, so, yeah, it's a, I think it's a really difficult team selection because you're almost picking it with one eye on, you know, when you, when you pick a team, another team to play a back four, you know, and two, two back fours playing against each other, it feels a lot more simple. When you're picking a back four to play against a back three, you can pick a team to try and exploit their spaces, but when they're two, they've scored nine goals in the two most recent games, and a lot of that's been because of the wing backs and the way the wing backs are playing. Yeah, you've got to pick a team that factors that into it, really. And how do you stop the wing backs? And you can either say 
we'll stop the wing-backs by just being on the front foot and Doherty won't attack because Sancho or Pogba will be constantly causing them a problem. But, you know, if it, if it goes wrong and you're not on the front foot, then a back four where the, the wingers aren't tracking back or aren't working hard enough can cause huge, huge problems against the back three, especially when those wing-backs are in form. So, you know, it does, I think it does feel like a really difficult team selection for, for Ranić and, and what to do. And that's why I wouldn't be against the idea of maybe matching matching Tottenham up and just going with that back three and, and trying to just stop their, their danger men at the moment. Yeah, and like you said as well, Ty, that it depends on your formation, your tactical sort of plan on who you choose personnel-wise. So there's a lot to go for. And I guess Ranić mm. needs to boil it all down to the pros and cons for each system and, and see what he goes for. So last question then. You know I hate... You hate being asked about predictions, but I'm going to ask you for sort of a vague one. I'll go first if you want. I think, like you said, we need some positivity around here. It does sort of remind me of that United-Arsenal clash early in the season, where I mm. do think that, you know, I mean, it's United, you know, this United team, I know it's tedious, you can say it every week, but it does seem like if they can click or just have a good five, ten minutes, they can get goals. And particularly if Ronaldo, you know, has a half chance and, you know, if he has a good if Ronaldo scores in the first five minutes, that could be a completely different Ronaldo for the next 85, can't it? It's the fact that over the last couple of weeks, his head's just dropped early on and it's never really recovered from that. And, you know, again, it's a sort of a cliche about how, how you start the game well. But if United do that, then I do still think that they can get a, a result. I'm going to go for United to win by one goal. Yeah. I think 2-1 United, like you said, it's a massive game and if they can't sort of up their performance after this week they've had, they've had so much time to think about it to, you know, you've got to almost use that humiliation to push you on. You've got to just digest it all. You've got to accept that you wouldn't have now. This is your chance to put things right because those United fans will back you for 90 minutes, no matter, no matter how bad your last performance was really. And it's going to be the clean slate. I'm going to go for, like I said, United 2-1, I reckon. What about you, Ty? Are you going to bring the mood down or are we going to end on a high? No, I think then on a high. Before you, when you, when I could see where that question was going with the prediction, and before you gave your own answer, I was actually thinking two one. So I can see United edging it as well. Maybe I just think maybe there'll be a reaction. You know, the one thing, the one thing professional footballers hate more than another is being told they gave up and that they didn't try. Yeah, and that's been happening this week with United. And you know, I mean, the evidence is damning for me from that second half. They did give up too easily. They did surrender too easily, but. They should have been stung by that criticism. There should be a desire to put things right on Saturday. There should be a desire to play with an intensity that shows, you know, that, that just shows some kind of response. And if they can do that, maybe Tottenham can't live with it because as well as they've played in those two games, they've had it, like I say, they've they've had they've had life. Life's been made easy for them. And if United make life difficult for them, we know this is a team that doesn't always find it easy. You know, they lost at Burnley when Burnley made it tough for them. So so yeah, as negative as everything feels going into the game, I can see a scenario where United edge it as well. I think there'll probably be goals. So yeah, I'll go with United 2-1 as well. What could possibly go wrong? And like I said as well, I think just the, the way the game's sort of been built up as well, Saturday night, a, a better kickoff time. I, mm. I know it's not going to be, I know it's no excuse whatsoever, but I do feel that when it's United playing in the early sort of Saturday kickoffs at home, which seems to have been a lot this season, you think of the Everton draw, the Villa defeat, that Southampton draw, just the crowd can't be bothered. They're only just woken up. You've not really had time yeah, to sure. sort of get excited or whatever. I feel this one's going to be different because they've had a full day just to you know, really get hyped for the game. United, the floodlights will be on. 
yeah, like I said, I think I think this is the the time where you can really expect a response from United. But whether it happens or not is different. Like you said, Ty, by this time next week, the mood could be very different anyway. But thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester Is Red podcast. No problem. Thank you, Rich, for your hosting skills. And thank you very much for your listening skills, wherever you might be across the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. Like we said, we'll see you again next week.